Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's hard to get people to agree on what constitutes a terrible game. Outside of some notorious outliers such as E.T. the Extraterrestrial or Ride to Hell Retribution, most games can find a fan base, however small. However, most people can agree on what makes a great character. Characters like Nathan Drake or Geralt of Rivia are undeniably excellently written, and without them, their respective games would never have achieved their lofty must-play status. That's because a great character inherently elevates the game they're in regardless of quality. A great character can make a good game great, or a terrible game, well, at least a bit tolerable. So let's take a moment to appreciate these characters who deserved way better games. Their respective titles won't do it, so I guess it's on me to give them their time to shine. I'm Josh from WhatCulture.com, and these are 8 great characters wasted in terrible video games. Number 8. Nakmo Drak, Mass Effect Andromeda Mass Effect Andromeda infamously launched riddled with technical issues that made the game feel admittedly unfinished. A lot of players shelved the spin-off as a result, content to wait until it had been fully patched up to return to one of the most boring games ever made. Fortunately, Bioware mostly maintained their ability to write great characters. PB was a pop-punk archaeologist, Nyx a female Turian bootlegger, and Drac a cranky grandpa Krogan. Like most Krogan, he likes shooting things a lot, but he's also 1,000 400 years old, which means he's lived through many of the events that shape the Mass Effect universe as we know it. As you get him to open up, the character achieves a level of depth previous Krogan party members just never managed, no matter how beloved they were. You learn that he joined the Andromeda Initiative because his granddaughter did, and he didn't want to be alone any more than he wanted her to be, which is kinda cute, isn't it? His typical Krogan bravado is a cover for the fact that his organs, many of them synthetic due to centuries of being shot at, are beginning to fail as well. Is old, tired, and facing down his own imminent death, and chooses to go out making the galaxy a better place for his granddaughter. Number 7. Kane, Blood Omen 2. Blood Omen 2 was an anomaly in the Legacy of Kane series. After the popular Soul Reaver spin-off games, Eidos decided to make a proper sequel to the original game in the series, Blood Omen, and they handed the keys over to an entirely new team to do it. The result was... Uh, not good. The narrative was packed with contradictions to the canon, dead characters were alive again, the vampires were now hero rebels for some reason, and its use of time travel was baffling. Aesthetically, it looked like a completely different game as well, and the reason for this is that the game's original 
original concept art was essentially recycled from a cancelled project called Sirens. One of the best things about the original Blood Omen though was playing a pretty bad dude who almost always chooses himself over others. Kane is a cold-blooded, literally, murder machine and he just felt slightly off during the early segments of this sequel. Thankfully, our Kane does re-emerge by the end of the story. Other than looking like every 14-year-old goth's dreamboat, Kane eventually proves just to be as merciless as we remember when he kills his would-be love interest for doubting his right to rule. To alleviate the blow of this botched sequel, the legacy of Kane's original creative team later retconned Blood Omen 2 into being an alternate timeline, so thank the pillars. Number 6. Stephen Heck, Alpha Protocol there's actually an amazing game inside Alpha Protocol somewhere. It's well written with dialogue options that have significant consequences throughout the game and takes place in a world of spies, a setting surprisingly not often explored in video games. And I don't mean spy just to refer to stealth either. I mean forming strategic alliances, turning assets, manipulating organizations, you know, the fun spy stuff. And playing the game is fun too when it works. That last tidbit is important because you'll only experience all of the cool stuff if you're willing to trudge your way through an absolute swamp of technical issues, including crashing, DRM, frame rate drops, sound cutting out, NPCs not spawning, the whole nine yards. It's borderline unplayable at times. However, Stephen Heck is the player's main contact during the Beijing arc of the game. In a game where your contacts are always spies, mercenaries, or criminals, Heck stands out as a, well, you never really know. He claims to be with the CIA, but actually seems to be a solo freelance troublemaker who trades in high-value favors and an ability to create chaos. His tactics are usually a spectacle, involving heavy weaponry, high-powered explosives, and lots and lots of screaming. He is the ultimate distraction. Number 5. Reva Fable 3 most agree that the original Fable was decent, but Fable 2 was fantastic. And as a result, many of us were looking forward to a similar leap in quality with Fable 3. Sadly, that was a leap in quality we just didn't get. What we did get was a game that basically doubled down on Fable 2's weaknesses and outright rejected its strengths. In Fable 2, it was easy to break the economy in our favor by exploiting the real estate system, and in Fable 3, it was even easier. On the other hand, Fable 2's dogs felt like a true companion and friend, and Fable 3's dog felt more like a tool. One of the bright spots from both games, however, was Reva. In Fable 2, you had to track down the heroes of strength, will, and skill to help you in your quest. It's an unexpected twist then when the hero of skill turns out to be an amoral narcissistic gentleman pirate named Reva. And in Fable 3, he becomes a profit-obsessed captain of industry. But even with all of that, you can't just help but love the guy. He's never on the side of pure evil, he's just on the side of himself. And actor Stephen Fry injects him with all of the pomp and ostentatiousness you'd expect from a man wearing the world's largest top hat. Number 4. Jake Muller, Resident Evil 6 Resident Evil 6 is a terrible game, but that's also what makes it kind of an awesome game in a terrible sort of way. It is the formerly survival horror series gone completely off the rails, then off the road, and then off a bridge somewhere. Zombies with guns, zombie kaiju, and fighting zombies with karate, more on that soon, are a few of the main reasons why. Part of the problem was that Capcom made the classic mistake of trying to please everyone, thus not pleasing anyone. It was essentially four different games, and theoretically, for every quarter of an 
idea that a given player liked, there were three quarters that they just didn't at all. This included most of the new characters, which were so generic that they all felt like stand-ins, well, except one. That is Jake Muller, whose preferred method of zombie killing is uppercuts and roundhouse kicks. And it is positively ridiculous to watch unfold, fulfilling a dual purpose of being so silly and yet so badass at the same time. What makes that weird synergy possible is that, like his father Albert Wesker, another cool dude, Jake injected himself with a virus that essentially turned him into a superhero. Honestly, Resident Evil 6 could have just been Jake and the zombies kung fu fighting for 15 hours, and it probably would have been better. Number 3, Graham, Fallout 76. Right, listen, I don't want to keep slagging off Fallout 76 and all of my videos. It's not what I want to do. It's getting up there with MGS2 and Spec Ops The Line in terms of topics that I revisit far too often on this channel, but it's not without reason. It's one of the most notable disasters in recent memory, but unlike similar train wrecks like Anthem, at least Fallout 76 has things to actually talk about. There are ideas in there, and while most of them are not good, a bunch of them are fascinating, and some of them genuinely did have potential. Take, for instance, the rare friendly super mutant, Gram, a merchant who travels the lonely roads with his pet Numu, which is a two-headed cow, Shally. Gram has the same Hulk-like way of speaking as the other super mutants, but where they usually talk about killing and eating puny humans, he mostly talks about slash two Mumu, whom he considers more of a best friend and business partner than a pet. This super mutant comes along as a precious small oasis in such a lonely game. Granted, it is easy to stand out in a game devoid of other NPCs, but still, this character could have easily been placed in into any of the other Fallout games and he still would have been memorable. Number 2, Kanan Lynch from Kanan Lynch. Kanan Lynch, Dead Men and its sequel Dog Days were criticised for their technical performance in addition to boring level design and gunplay. Dog Days also received additional criticism for its cheap shock value, but one thing everyone agreed on was that the titular characters deserved better. Kane and Lynch are the odd couple of remorseless killers. Kane is the consummate professional, having come from the military. He's the planner, the thinker, the guy who always says, look, if we're going to do this incredibly violent and superbly illegal thing, then we're going to take the time to do it right. The only thing he cares about is his family, who detest him for the life of violence he's reluctantly resigned himself to. Lynch, on the other hand, is an amoral, violent, paranoid schizophrenic who probably murdered his wife. He is known to sometimes go berserk, killing everything around him, and because of this, Kane sees him as an utter liability, but also can't deny just how good of a team they make. Despite, or perhaps because of the quality of their only two games, the two never really got their chance to shine, making it hard for them to stand out. Still, a lot of people are eagerly waiting to see where they go next, and hopefully the answer is a good game. Number 1. Varric Dragon Age 2 this entire list probably could have been characters from Dragon Age 2. Clearly rushed for release, the game's story followed one city and its surroundings over the course of four years. The player and friends would have to deal with changing politics, power dynamics, wealth disparity, racism, and see how the city develops over time. So, how does the city change over time, I hear you ask? Well, sometimes there's a new pillar where there wasn't one before. Fortunately, Bioware's excellent character writing was still able to shine through this mess. Most of Dragon Age 2's characters became fan favourites pretty much instantly. Escaped slave Fenris, radicalised mage Anders and the spirit who possesses him, pirate captain Isabella, all of them were great but it's safe to say that Varric was the main attraction. Not your typical fantasy dwarf, Varric is a smooth talking spy master. When he's not going on adventures with you, he can usually be found in the tavern telling wildly exaggerated accounts of your quests. He's also the author of a popular series of pulp crime novels. Varric hates violence for the most part, preferring to solve problems with diplomacy. And if 
that diplomacy involves secrets and blackmail, look, nobody gets killed, so all's well, right? It's a mostly victimless crime. Still, when he does fight, he has his trusty crossbow Bianca, a mechanical, customizable weapon. He is a great construct, and fortunately, he gets more time to shine in Dragon Age Inquisition. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.